Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. And that is Rob Elba. We're so happy to be with you guys again. Uh, I'm not going to... Barry, let's not even waste any time. Let's just get right in with our guest, because we have a wonderful guest tonight. He's a return guest. Welcome, Mr. Yes. Michael, the millionaire Cudahy. To the That's show. it. Welcome, it's me. <laughs> How's it going, dudes? All right, great to talk to you. You are a living, you people may know him from Christmas, the legendary New England band Christmas from Combustible Edison. He's a film composer now living his best life in Los Angeles, California, correct? That's correct. Yeah, living the dream. Yeah. I, we did um, this last year I I, and it was and it was in the middle of a pandemic then too. <laughs> really? Was it the, Who the same ban- pandemic? <laughs> Yes. I don't know. Who remembers anymore? Well, this is good because I, I, I feel like... I was trying to think about it. I wasn't sure whether I when you were on, if it were if we had started... I think Rob and I were still in the same room at that point. Uh, so we hadn't it's, started... You may have been, yeah. We had right. not started separating ourselves. Um, and... Uh, but gosh. Yeah, it's unfortunate because once you know, usually you would have flown me down there to be of safe course. with you too. But exactly, exactly. But you know, <laughs> well, safety for a little disappointed. But well, Rob could actually maybe next. He maybe next con- He does have a connection. I don't know if Alaska <laughs> I flies could. into LA or not. We do. We LA to Fort Lauderdale. We got a nonstop LA Fort Lauderdale. We could, we could have happened actually, but you know, maybe next time, Michael. <laughs> maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> actually, maybe yeah. even better. Maybe me and me, me and Barry will fly Come out to, to LA. you. That probably yeah. be better. Actually, that would be a right. lot better. I'll and then we could stay. In. We, yeah, we could stay at your place for like three or four days. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, 
eat all your food. Mm. Just be warned that there's a fear ferocious dog. Yeah, ferocious, ferocious dog. Oh, yeah. I heard about that all dog. 20 pounds of him. <laughs> so, all right. So, Michael. Get on his bad side. Yeah. Go ahead, Barry. I said, Michael, you picked a, uh, a classic this time. Another classic. But one that's uh, perhaps even more in the um, vaunted, uh, you know, legendary category. So tell us what record you brought. In the in the canon, and the generally accepted canon, which is, well, we'll get into that. But this is uh, Forever Changes by the band Love. Yeah. How did you come across this record? So, this is... It's interesting. My history with this is like one of them still, after forty plus years, it's still one of my favorite records of all time. And um, but it was weird because it was not an immediate. Was not like love at first. Listen, I was working at the Harvard Coop. I first finished high school, moved out on my own, and uh, was working at the Harvard Coop in Boston, Cambridge, Massachusetts, and. Um, I, it was some Rolling Stone record guide or some Rolling Stone thing, or maybe it was some article, like a listicle type of thing, like top, you know, top 100 psychedelic records. Yeah. Or and uh, and Forever Changes was, and it was all, you know, I was into XLM, anything that could be called, you know, a, a music or anything that could be called psychedelic. I was okay. very much into the psychedelic concept of the psychedelia and um and at the same time i would just you know discovered the 13th floor elevators i was listening to their first record kind of obsessively in the red creole and one of my other all-time favorites which you did recently with roger miller with piper in the gates of dawn mm, yes yes, Barry, yes that's right sid's pink floyd so and there's in this amidst those there's this one record love forever changes like how what how have i never even heard of that mm. my first thought was of course like wow why did nobody they must have like how, how, love it's such a no-brainer how have i never heard of this? right right uh, and it's right. up there it's like number two or three on this rolling stone list of 100 records yeah. and then you look <laughs> you look at the picture of the record cover and you're like wow this is like this just screams like 1967 yes all over it like the first 13 floor elevators record like this is is like the incunabula. This is the source. Yes. Um, so that I, 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 weirdly enough, I'd never heard of it. I was, I was thinking like love. Back in the punk rock days, there like every goddamn city had a band called either the Stains or <laughs> the Dark. <laughs> oh, the, the uh, Dark. Yes. <laughs> they get Roman, they started like, to get Roman I, numerals after their names. So I, yeah, I was like, I was wondering like if in 1966. Like every city had a like love, like even yeah. like, like yeah. you know Bozeman, Montana, yeah. love. Yeah, <laughs> like what does a band in LA <laughs> called love? Um, <laughs> because it seemed like such a like wow, there it was. Somebody took it. I guess it was this line right. around like what nobody's using it. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so that's how I, I, I discovered, and I so I working at a record store. I bought that record immediately and uh, raced home. And I put it on, and I, I still think of the side order as reversed because this is how I first uh, listened to it. Uh, <laughs> oh, you yeah. listen to side Backwards. two first? I, yes. <laughs> and uh, I listened to the whole side and was like, eh, 
not into it. Like, not what I expected. Yeah. I'm expecting, like, you know, Fire Engine or, you know, Sea Emily Play. No. And it was like this sort of fey folk rock sounding thing with, like, sort of mariachi horns. Horns. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, strings. But not strings like Beatles strings. It sounded like a Burt Bacharach. Very much. I think yeah, that's, and the, definitely exact, that's the exact words that, <laughs> so that year, Richard Meltzer used about it. He said, you know, the return of Burt Bacharach. So he was did yeah. have complimentary things to say about it. So what year, so I, Michael, uh, what year is this when you this you first got, like, you're working at the record store? Yeah, 79, 1980, somewhere okay, okay. on the cusp of the um, late 79, early 1980s. Um, and, uh, so I didn't even listen to the second side. I was like, huh, well, that was disappointing. Wow. (laughs) But I kept, you know, and for a couple of months and then I was like, well, I should give it another chance. And, and then I kept coming back to it. It was, it is, uh, you know, this record is not, once it gets its hooks in you, it doesn't let go. And it like a lot of like, like, um, pet sounds was kind of like that, except pet sounds has a couple of, big yeah, hits on right. it which are your entree but it's not a, like it doesn't reach out and grab you you have to really live with right, it for a right. while and it took me a while to like adjust to it on its own terms and that uh, because it was not I, I went into it with the expectations that were quickly dashed but it, it's it, it, it it's doesn't really very sound, much its own yeah. thing it doesn't really sound like anybody else's psychedelic record from you know not, not at all. Is it really? I mean, is it technically? Is it even a psychedelic record? It it the textures and everything. It doesn't have. It has a few of the elements, but it has a lot of elements that are not from a psychedelic rock band at all. I, I would say it's more of yeah. the sixties uh, peace and love type thing. It's more of that. I would yeah. say that. well. Sort of, but then it's a sort of, but yeah, yeah, but it's it's actually <laughs> casting a withering eye on well, all that's of that what, stuff. Yeah, I was wondering, like, like Michael, that here's the thing. Yeah, obviously, it's not a record that hits you over the head right away, where you go, "Oh my god!" It's something that sort of seeps into you, and you realize the brilliance of it, which I did honestly because this is the first time I ever listened to this record was this week. Really? Um, really? Wow. It, it was. I, I honestly, I'm going to be totally honest, and this may make me, you know, not a uh, no, not no, a no. musical. Uh, uh, the first time I ever heard a uh, love song was the Damned when the Damned covered uh, uh, Alone, Alone Again, again or, or yeah, yeah. 1986 record. Anything, and I said, oh, that's a cool song, and then and then I said, oh, it's love, okay, and then yeah. So I, just, you know, it's just probably not, it's a, a, a lot of people that was the first time they heard. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. I, 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 didn't right. Hear, I didn't hear it until the late '90s. I bought a. Yeah, I probably saw it on a, a, a list, just like you did. And I went and I was that during that period, I was buying one CD a week at Borders Books and Music in uh, Aventura, Florida. And I went down there and I picked up Forever Changes, the, whatever the '90s reissue had some extra tracks on it, and you know, put it on the car. And we just were sort of like, "Wow, this this is doesn't sound like anything else." Um, so. You know what the damn should have done is stuck that second on machine gun etiquette. So it goes just for you. Here's a love song. That's brilliant. That would be a good joke. A Jape worthy of the damn. <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, so I was wondering, though, Michael, what do you think it is? Because obviously you now it's sort of with time, it's, it, it, it's on all those lists. But at the time, it didn't really do much of anything. It was kind of ignored. Do you think, like Barry mentioned, his withering, like he, he was cynical for a peace and love guy. He like wasn't really. And when I say he, Arthur Lee, obviously we're talking about Arthur Lee, yeah. uh, the leader. So do you think that was it? Or um, oh, there were a couple of things. There are a couple of things. First of all, I mean, that's, you know, the thing about the non-peace and love, that's kind of the thing that one of the things that you have to sit with this record for a while to get, because it is very much in that sort of blues tradition of like happy music, yeah, like yeah. The dire lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. And so you yes. hear this like twinkling harpsichords and strings and these fey mannered vocals, and it's just about murder yeah. and water turning to blood yeah. and the hills on fire. Uh, and, and you would, you know, very much like. Another LA band, the Mothers of Invention, exactly. cast a jaundiced eye on Flower Power. Exactly. Like the record that most reminds me yep. of. You're going to say it because I, I know what you're going to We're only say. in it for the money. Absolutely. That is exactly parallel. In fact, I went and looked today because I was like, you know, those, these records even sound like each other. So I don't know if <laughs> Frank, Frank had heard Forever Changes. But there is some parallels between those two albums that are is are very striking. Even though we're only in it for the money was recorded while they were in New York, a lot of it. Right. Um, but it has the exact same set of complaints about um, what was happening with uh, so-called the you know peace and love that yeah. um, that this record does. It's Frank's is just a little more you know. Is not quite as poetic. Well, he comes right out and says on one one Frank Zappa on one song, "Flower Power sucks." Flower Power sucks. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this, is like, yeah. like, oh, this is our <laughs> Arthur Lee was more subtle about it. And I think, yeah. I think with love, with Arthur Lee, perhaps particularly, LSD didn't actually make him feel peace and love. It actually made him see things much more clearly that uh, uh, were happening, and he didn't appreciate this sort of uh yeah he i mean here here's one thing it did have in common with hyper the gates of dawn uh is that he and sid barrett both had were very fragile mentally yes and didn't come out of the 60s entirely unscathed but one thing that, that informs the music of love in general and this record in particular that if you've never I mean, you've never heard love. That's one thing. If you've never seen love, you may have noticed that Arthur Lee's black, which right. is, and Johnny Eccles is buddy. Yeah. And that's like in, it's like an integrated, it's like a multiracial band. And he was in the middle of a very white, yeah. like rock scene. Yeah. Is, that that was, right. I was thinking about that. That must have been, and it's funny when you read about him and stuff, you don't see that brought up a lot. Obviously, if, when you see pictures, you, you do, you see it. But yeah, that had to be. I mean, he was obviously a very uh, troubled man, and um, you know had, had uh, ch- challenges. But yeah, I'm sure it. I'm sure it was strange back then playing with all these white kids, you know. And and here's this uh, multiracial band. When even though everything was about peace and love, we yeah, all know how that is. Right. It's like yeah, peace and yeah. love is one thing, but um, right. yeah. Um, yeah, they, well, they were very peace much. Peace and love is in, one thing, but who's, but not who's the black that. guy? Basically, that's how it yeah. was. 
Exactly. I, well, it's like it reminds me of like Bill Scott Heron's Whitey on the Moon. It's like, no, this peace and love is pretty cool for you, Beverly Hills white yeah. dude, but like, right, I can't walk right, down right. the same street. Yeah. But uh, to me, that has that's like a major current that runs through this record being Definitely. like his perspective is very <laughs> different from other guys in the rock scene for one yes. very simple but obvious right. reason and is his like he comes by his right. alienation and this affect this affection um very honestly i was wondering that, uh, I, I went and looked for because i do because I, I use it in the show and i like to see it is i always go and look for live performance footage Oh there yeah, there's hardly any. I don't know if his mental condition or the fraught circumstances of the band. There's not very much of no. this group playing live before. There's a lot of 1970s stuff. By the time he'd replaced everybody else, and it's more of a yeah, blues rock thing. You can see there's stuff of like his, his later versions in the 90s and stuff. And even there, you can occasionally find them on like American Bandstand, yeah. like lip syncing. So they right. first hit my little red book. But here's, and this is, this is what we're coming back to one of the reasons why this record was not bigger than it was is because Arthur Lee refused to tour. Yeah. While he's right. while he's right. on like at their peak, which is still not that big, but it could have been bigger. Yeah. He's like, I'm not leaving LA. <laughs> like they can come to us. It's like, mm, yeah. Love were a band that were like experts at shooting oh themselves in the foot. Well, te- let's tell our listeners where they were living. The band, all of them. They were. Oh yeah, well, camped <laughs> out. They lived together. In- in what they called the castle, which was, I believe, is Bella Lugosi's former mansion. Yes, Bella mansion. Lugosi's mansion before he also became, you know, ended up yeah. addicted to heroin and on the outs and making Ed Wood movies to uh, uh, to get by and living in a little you know, ranch style somewhere in L.A. Um, um, yeah, they they I, that's you know sort of one of the things about Forever Changes is that record was made by a band that was in the middle of falling apart. And yeah. part of it was they were spending, they had done two records already and they decided to skip before being actual rock stars, just go directly to drug yeah. burnouts. Yeah. Like they're right. hanging right. out at the castle, taking LSD every day. Yeah. And you know, and at some point, you know, he's having this nonstop party. Right. And at some point, heroin becomes part of the equation. Yeah. Which then changes your dynamic as well. And so the thing is, the record doesn't sound like a band falling apart. That's the bizarre no, aspect. It doesn't. And uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds, I mean, it's a pristine. It's, it's a very, like I said, it's a very light touch to everything, but it's so well played and so beautiful and there's so many people and also the one thing before we start getting the songs the one thing i don't want to forget which is a big thing for me that i just noticed having someone nude coming to listen to it is the core changes is like unbelievable so ahead of his time like i'm listening to this and i hear bands i'm thinking like uh well frank black from the pixies heard this and uh tom york from radiohead heard this and all this because oh and they did the chord progression yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, they also have. He has like a sort of a, you know, always had sort of a jet. He and Brian McLean. We're, we're sort yes, of leaving exactly. Brian McLean. Right, yes. Right. Right. 
who is the uh, other main songwriter. And the reason the band, the first in incarnation of the band fell apart, partly was because of the tension between these two guys, like trying to, I want more songs on the record. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And McLean came from like a, he was like a, he was a Hollywood rich kid. Mm. Like his, his girl, he, when he was like a teenager, like 13 years old, he, his first girlfriend was Liza Minnelli. Oh. And he came out of like his, he, <laughs> he started, he was like, came out of like his favorite music as a kid was like show tunes. Mm. So I think some right. of maybe that jazzy vocabulary yeah. Yeah. might be his influence. Although Arthur, clearly glommed onto that right i mean i, I and that's i'm just speculating but but i do i do know that's where yeah, they do where have, uh, yeah, brian mcclain's roots are two other albums um the first album is a sort of more um garage rock kind of sound and then the second album is moving in this direction except the entirety of the second side is taken up with a psychedelic jam session which is, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah that is a, like a classic love half-assed move right like the capo is one half of all the great as right. as oh, exactly like it's got orange Forever skies on it oh my god it's got this song called orange yeah, skies yeah. On it that just seven and seven is it that's just that's blows your mind yeah, mind blowing and then you get to the second side and you're like Five minutes in, you're like, okay, looking at your watch. Yeah, I, 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 I will confess here, Rob, you're going to hear. I, I, I've been like, I've had all these records for years, like forty plus years. I've right. never listened all the way through to no. Revelations. Nope. I can't <laughs> make it. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the only revelation was it that they were too lazy to long. do. Right. Yeah. There's only so much you could. Uh, you'd be yeah, it's with. just all right, not very so let's good. Let's just like uh, we've only got six songs, so let's put this half-ass jam right. over the entire <laughs> second side. Oh, oh God! God. Yeah. Who let them do that? Uh, good <laughs> yeah, someone did. Good question. All right. So speaking of Brian uh, McLean, he only got two songs on this record, but, but boy, uh, one of he them really was, got one of the, the he, opening. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the first one is the first song on the record. So let's listen to Brian McLean's. With some great uh, backing vocals, those two—the way they sing on this one too—is just like it, it's it's great because it's it's just. I am listening to telling, telling their them voices apart. apart. Me too. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Same. Same. Um, all right. Listen to a little bit of Alone Again or. Almost everyone 
So right off the bat, Michael, what you were saying, this here's this sweet, beautiful song, but the lyrics are <laughs> cynical. They're so cynical. Yeah. Yeah. Not a love song. And you're just gonna do what you wanna do. Yeah. After yep. this, like I could be in love with everybody and I will be alone again tonight. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. And it's got the beautiful chord change, which is it's got the it's the Hava Nagila chord change where he goes you go from F major to E minor <laughs> and so it's got that which gives it an an unusual sound right off the bat and then the the horns the mariachi horns the strings and also the secret is to this record is that there is um, studio musicians were brought in to play on some of these tracks and this is definitely one of them where if you listen to the bass playing, it's it's a wrecking crew bass player style, you know. Uh, yeah, there's some there's some dispute about which there's two that definitely are the wrecking crew. It's Don, Randy, I think on piano, Carol Kay, yeah, and Hal Blaine, yeah, and Hal Blaine. and um, and Billy Strange on guitar. And they're and, well, Bill, right. they're coming up, but I, and. But I've heard there's two that I definitely know that they are, like, I think they're actually credited on the record. Um, but uh, some people say, <laughs> See, that, was right, a, right. that was kind of a ploy by their producer. They came in, like, they're like, okay, got to get in there and do that record. And the, the band came in and they were a fucking mess. Yeah. They'd been just doing drugs and not playing and they yeah. were not together, like, at. All, they're not ready in any way, shape, or form. And Bruce Botnick, their co-producer, was like, "Okay, we're gonna get the wrecking crew in here." We know and how he to fix this. brought them in for one day, <laughs> tracked a couple of songs, and the other people suddenly got motivated. It worked. So, yeah, yeah, um, right. They're like, yeah, the word we like, to, this is your last yeah. chance. You can tell. <laughs> yeah, the, there are tracks where you can tell when it's. It, I really noticed it with the bass playing because. Uh, Alone Again Or has this very sophisticated bass playing on it. And then there's other tracks on here which where it's much more basic. No, no pun intended. But you go, okay, well, this is, pardon me, I can't oh, remember okay. the bass player's name, but it's, um, it, 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 the more you pay attention to Ken, it, uh, Ken Forsen, it's yeah. a tell is the bass playing, the quality of the bass playing. Alone Again or is Wrecking Crew. Uh, it, it's Carol well, Kay. Ken, if you're still, if Ken Forsey, if you're still alive, uh, I don't call think us he, and I don't think he is. Barry's wrong. I think that um, well, the way the Wikipedia yeah, page put it is that uh, uh, two of the members, after uh, they were fired by Arthur Lee, they got heavily into drugs and disappeared from the music scene. And that's all it says. So right. uh, one can assume that, you know. Never to be heard yeah, from again. Never heard from again. Probably not a good But um, it, it's uh, a beautiful, like I said, the, the dam covered it. And it's funny, I, I was talking uh, to my daughter, Corey, tonight. She said, what record are you doing? I said, love. She said, oh, I don't know. And I said, you may know that song, Alone Again. Or, and she said, oh, yeah, Calexico does that. Yeah. So she knows the Calexico cover. And then I just told Barry Michael, did you know UFO have a cover of it? Wow. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I do know that, that Chicha Libre, the uh, like psychedelic cumbia band from Brooklyn, who my brother was in, 
also did it. Yeah. Oh, nice. But it's a, but it's such a great song. All the covers are great. Yeah, the Calexico uh, the Calexico version is stunning. They they really it, it makes you uh, you know it makes you really you know it's good that somebody covered it in a way that get that you could gave it its due. All right, yeah, so now we get uh, more dark lyrics, uh, more, you know, down. Uh, not much peace and love here. Let's listen to A House is Not a Motel. At my house, I've got no shackles. You can come and look. If you want to, through the halls you'll see the mantles Where the light shines dim all around you And the streets are paved with gold And if someone asks you, you can call my name You're just a thought that someone somewhere somehow feels you should be here And it's so for real to touch, to smell, to feel, to know where you are here And the streets are paved with gold and if someone asks you, you can call my name You can call my name I hear you calling my name Yeah. Right. So that one. I always thought uh, Johnny Eccles was playing good King Wenceslas on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, uh, to me, it's a shout out to um, Yardbirds, Heartful of Soul, um, which is. Oh, yeah. I was wondering when I was wondering when you were going to mention the Yardbirds when we talked about this record, but I knew it was coming. Yeah. I was wondering when. You know. But no, but you're right for sure. That, yeah. that that line. There's a we've covered. We had we did another album where someone else had. Um, pinched Yardbird's guitar lines and I was like this is where that comes from and oh it's Go-Go's um, the Go-Go's yeah, and, and then he's like oh that, again with the Yardbirds rolling her eyes but I was like you know what Th- that was they were there first Jeff Beck was there first right right so um, what a it's a great track and it's so sad and so dark um, you know and he, when he gets the part where he says that, you know and the streets are paved with gold you just have this picture of this person who's really tired of um, wh- how they're living and yeah this is I mean it's it's kind of there's a bunch of songs that are I've never been much of a lyric guy but this is one of the few records where I sort of paid attention to lyrics and this one is a lot of them are not not very linear and they're sort of impressionistic but you get the you know the meaning comes through yeah pretty clearly this is a you know this feeling of sort of a brooding distress distress exactly yeah well he's first the first line and, uh, is at my house i've got no shackles you can come and look if you want to in the halls you'll see the mantles where the light shines dim all around you so and the streets are paved with gold and if someone asks you you can call my name so he's invited this person into their home which happens to be bella lugosi's mansion and there's no, she says, there's no shackles. Like, it's not a torture chamber. You can come in and look, and but you see the mantles where the, you know, this, the dim light shining. 
And if someone asks you, like someone says, hey, who the fuck are you? You can call my name. You could say, Arthur. Yeah, I'm Arthur's friend. <laughs> so that's the story right. that I get from that first verse is, you know, yeah, come and me. see me. Um, it's okay. And, um, and, and also for a record that doesn't see, Michael, I was thinking maybe because you were, as a young man when you first got it, maybe it didn't grab you right away because the album doesn't rock at, in just in certain spots it does. But based yeah. on like the last third of it, they kick in and it does rock. But it's so understated. Like the, like the, the uh, drumming in this one is fantastic, but it's so, he's got such a light touch on it, you know, for, for most of you the You know, they, this record does not rock much in the conventional right, sense. And right. this is, you were reminding me how I actually ended up going getting into this record was I got the other record, first two records, mm-hmm. and um, like on Decapo, which is actually kind of the odd man out on that record, but uh, the a lead off track is there is this like proto punk, yeah, like Rager Seven and Seven, yeah, seven is. is right. Oh, I love that song, and um, and so I became really, really you know enthusiastic about the about love and then I was like I gotta give him another chance so right (laughs) yep it um, it takes a little more oh and their first hit was in fact the Burt Bacharach song by Little Red Book which Burt Bacharach was uh, apparently did not appreciate their rendition (laughs) they got it wrong they did not get the world wrong that that came up in another that came up in another episode recently uh, that their discussion oh yeah that was uh, Pink Floyd because Pink Floyd uh, tripped a little bit of the of the lead of the guitar part which was invented by love it wasn't an original right that's right for uh, yeah yeah and my well my uh, comment uh, was I bet Burt Backrack did not send the royalty check back when it yeah, came. he didn't send the royalty. No, <laughs> um, it was cash. All right, so this, so this next song for sure, it is confirmed that um, this is just uh, Lee playing and then the Wrecking Crew on this one. Uh, yeah, this him. is one of the ones where it's definitely the, yep. the Wrecking Crew. I think that Michael, you said something about suspicions and so forth. I think there's Wrecking Crew on. I'll, anytime you hear some virtuistic playing, I kind of think <laughs> that's my feeling is uh, so. Uh, no matter what they say, I, I think there's there's a lot of. Barry's um, not buying it. I'm not buying it. Which is still great. But, All right. You know. Let's listen to the uh, enigmatic, enigmatically titled and more again. And if you see and more again, then you will know and more again. For you can see you in her eyes. Then you feel your heart beating from pum pum pum. And when you give And everything still turns out bad And all your secrets are your own Then you feel your heart beating from bum, bum, bum Material, and I'm 
confusions Cause my things are material And you don't know how much I love you oh, oh, oh. I had always misheard those lyrics um, It says... And, well, the lyrics I'm reading say, and I'm wrapped in my armor, but my things are material. I always heard him saying, undone, wrapped in my armor, but my things are material. Undone, I'm lost in confusions because my things are material. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if you're looking at the lyrics that you, you got them on the Internet because the Internet's I, not always right. You may be right. I think I was hearing the same thing. Yeah. It's a little more sophisticated, um, and it's a re- I, it's such a again. It's just so deeply sad song. And when you I always all thought you this had, one was a McLean song. <laughs> well, it seems it, more. All like right, it. so you know, um, they say it partially. It's it, there was a girl, Andrula Moranoa who was a girlfriend at one time of both of them. She dated Arthur uh-huh. Lee and she dated Brian McLean. And her, so the title is sort of playing around with her name a little. So yeah, he, he may have had a little bit in this as well. Or yeah. obviously he had a little bit in uh, uh, Andrula, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Andrula, I, I mean, opposite. yeah. I, I, I get the you know feeling from this. It is like about as close as a straight love song right. it gets on the... yeah. As you're going to get from, uh, from a uh, band called Love, right? Yeah, except, except <laughs> in the, it starts with the chorus, but then the first verse, and it just, you know, the first, the lines are just, and, and when you've given all you had, and everything still turns out bad, and all your secrets are your own, then you feel your heart beating, thrum, pom, pom, pom. It just, the way it um, describes that kind of sensation of, you're you're stuck with yourself feeling like uh, yeah. I tried everything's fucked up and all your secrets are your own which means nobody gives a shit about your problems or they don't want to hear from you and then you feel your own heart beating you would think it's sort of a love song thing but it's also you're just laying in bed and stuck and you hear thump you hear your heart beating you know in your head and you're just there. That's it. Wrapped in your armor. Um, There's a, a like a Celtic goddess or Irish Celtic goddess or Gaelic, wherever, uh, called Celtic goddess called the Morrigan, oh, which I always wondered oh, if that really? was. Uh, uh, um, yeah, there's but some, she, yeah. she's like a Valkyrie type, and when she appears, it's always to give you bad news, uh, like you're oh, going to die. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised because there are some other deep references on this record um, to things like historical events, which I'm guessing Arthur Lee read about. Uh, in particular, I think the first battle of the Civil War is is part of the uh, um, the uh, the lyrical uh, um, source material for this uh, this album in a weird spot but the way he says <laughs> yeah, one point particular that out. one the way yeah one, way he says one particular thing is makes me go I know exactly what he's talking about and it's one of those things when you read about it they never teach you in school but when we get there we'll get there 
Okay. Okay. All right. So the next one we got here, this also isn't one that it's confirmed that the Wrecking Crew did play on this one. This this one's got a for me. This one's got a a who like a sixties yeah. yeah, who yeah. feel. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. That was, Very it's much. A so. little bit of the. I can the see sort of an I can see for Miles Five on this one. Yes. record i had to keep reminding myself that these guys were from california and not british because it sounds so british yeah that's in there for sure well, you know, yeah this was uh it, this, forever changes tanked in um in america but it was a big hit in in england <laughs> yeah, right you can see right. why and they they didn't uh, and because arthur went tour they didn't go there to capitalize on that i mean i you know they it's like sparks. They should have gone there and cashed in. Like people go where people understand you. Yeah. Right. Right. And and it's and it's funny because he was kind of friendly with Hendrix with Jimi Hendrix, right? And looked at Hendrix went to Europe, became huge at first there. He went over to uh, yeah to England. So uh, yeah. I guess it was just right. his own. Uh, he actually um, his own issues. There was uh, he was involved with some of Hendrix's earliest recordings on Soul Records. Uh, um, and um, I went and tried to listen to one today, and um, it's blocked on YouTube. And, and I tried all sorts of different VPN tricks to listen to it. But, um, you know, it's a pretty standard soul song. You can hear some Hendrixy playing in there a little bit. But this is this track, the second verse, is what m- makes lines up with we're only, we're only in it for the money so much that that's what made me go, okay. The, this is the same exact um, uh, a set of complaints down on Ghost Stop Boulevard. It never fails to bring me down. The sirens and the accidents, and for a laugh, there's Plastic Nancy. She's real fancy with her children. They'll go far. She buys them toys to keep in practice, waiting on the war. Um, and that could be that could be a lyric on. We're only in it for the money. So Frank and Arthur Lee are in sync on 
whatever's happening in 1967. Well, you know, one thing about this record in particular, and this is the first song that we're going to hear that really strikes me this way, is that um, I didn't, I had been listening to it for years and felt like I had really internalized it, but I felt like I really had not grasped it in its fullness like a grokked it I guess yeah, right, is the right. term they would used in 1967 exactly, yeah. um, until I moved to LA and it oh, okay. once I spent any t- like extended period of time here I've lived here for 22 years now um, there were a lot of things that suddenly just clicked into places like oh now I know what he's talking about I mean like the sirens and the accidents LA is not the kind of place that bought into flower power the same way its sister city to the north yeah did right um right i'm talking about bakersfield of course (laughs) (laughs) uh play it buck um (laughs) we got to do a buck we have to do a buck owens record so we need to i'm putting that out okay i don't know if we have to do a buck owens absolutely we have to do a buck owens right okay i don't know about that all right so let's go we get i'm sure you i'm sure all right we have the other brian uh mclean song and speaking of the who i feel he definitely has a peak this song you can hear he definitely has a peak townsend vibe to his vocals i feel like yeah Uh, let's listen to uh i ironically because there's three old men here talking about it now let's listen to the song old man (laughs) I once knew a man Been everywhere in the world Gave me a tiny ivory ball Said it would bring me good Never believed it would Until I had been loving you Dear old man He'd seen most everything Gave me a piece of good advice Said it would do me well I couldn't really tell Until I had been loving you I think it's it sounds like uh, sunrise that 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 then that was on who sell out right oh yeah yeah yes. I can totally hear that yeah but this is I always wonder about the, the chronology though and you know you go okay when did who sell out come out and how much you know if it did come out before this how long would they have had to listen to it and write a song that sounds yeah like, I think they came out around that this those two records. Came sort out of around contemporaneous. The same time, That's so. what I think too. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, this song and the yeah, last they song. did. Who sell out came out the same time. Yeah, sixty-seven, December sixty-seven. So um, this song and the previous song uh, on the Daily Planet, which has basically, it's like the bass playing is like a master class. So it's that's Carol Kay. This track too, 
I, I think I, I'm going to think the reason you don't see any live footage of them is that there was difficulty recreating this material in a live setting. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. That. You know, I know a guy who would put out the remastered versions and there's an expert on the site, but I didn't ask him about the things. I mean, now I'm afraid he's going to hear this and go like, you're full of shit. Why didn't you call me? Ah, well, just to um, be clear, Barry's full of shit. So it's Barry. So. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> my fault. So, you know, it's just guesswork, but that whenever you hear like a like virtuoso rhythmic bass playing, you go, okay, this is a this is above and beyond just some guy from L.A. Um, and that's what. I, <laughs> so, I, no matter who else is on this record, Carol Kay had a huge impact on this record because these songs have, uh, which I'd never really paid attention to before the bass playing until today. I started listening to it. And I was like, holy crap. Um, it's yeah, got it's that great. sort of uh, um, the James Jamerson, the way the the timing and things are, are so surprising but so perfect that right it, it just makes well, it magic. A pet sound like the stuff on Pet Sounds too. It's yeah, like exactly. it's like that. It's yeah. got that walking beautiful. I, now, also, did you guys notice? I think this sort of hints uh, on his eventual uh, spiritual awakening because he definitely he became a very religious and oh, born again. Yes, and yeah. He yeah. says uh, the old man gave me a small brown leather book. Mm. Insisted that he was right. Yeah. I only heard him slightly till I heard you whisper. Uh, yeah, so I guess maybe some old guy gave my uh, Bible. The Bible. That's what happened, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took a while for it to stick. Could have been any brown book, though, you know. Could have it been. happens. Well, that's true. I don't know. When people met Adventures in Podiatry. A book in a song. But yeah, it's probably gave a Bible. Him the Book of the Law by Alistair Shirley. Oh, there well, you go. Yeah, that would have turned out <laughs> more interesting, but hey. In that, thing, in that castle, yeah, that would make more sense. Uh, in Lugosi's place, right. for sure, yeah. So now, this next one, we get more of those really inventive chord changes, those uh, descending chord changes that just, yeah. just blew me. Listening to it, it just blew me away. Uh, let's listen to the red telephone. Sitting on a hill side watching all the people die i feel much better on the other side of the road i believe in magic why? Because it is so quick. I don't need power when I'm hypnotized. Look in my eyes. What are you seeing? I see. How do you feel? I feel real phony when my name is This has the line that makes me think of the first uh, Civil War Battle of the Civil War, sitting on the hillside watching all the people die. 
So I can't remember where that first battle was, but apparently the local populace turned up and, and camped out on the hill having picnics to watch the battle, assuming that there was going to be this genteel, um, you know, conflict and they were going to, you know... And, of course, what happens is carnage, uh, 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 and, and they were horrified. But that was just a guess about... But every time I hear that line, I think, oh, that's exactly what he's talking about, sitting on the hillside, watching all the people die. He may be talking about something else, but that's what it does to me. There, Yeah, there are a couple of moments throughout this record where he seems to reference the sort of... Um, the dire history of of America, yeah, yeah. genocide, yeah, right, like, and a little bit of the bad vibes, and a little, little uh, prescient of him here because he's saying they're at the end. He says they're locking them up today. They're, they're throwing, throwing away, away the, the key. key. I right. wonder who will be tomorrow. You mean? And he ended up uh, tragically. He he served a lot of jail time for something yes, that six really years. I don't think he ever actually did. And he just oh, had a really yeah, bad one has has. Uh, I mean, this one all reminds is one of the most acid drenchy. Like, this is as close as it comes to Sid Barrett to me. Yeah, yeah. On this talking, record. Yeah, when he's talking at the um, end, yeah. And there's some other, at the end, he does that uh, Real Normal and We Want Our okay. Freedom, which is a quote yep. from, first of all, the Bonzo Dog Band used it in their song, We Are Normal. Oh, but really? it's from it's from a, um, a play called Marat Saad. And, uh, and it's about it's very 60s it was like a real hit and a real sort of like very of the moment thing and it's about how the you know who's crazy the people run right. the asylum or right. you right man yeah <laughs> and and that's a line from it we're all normal we want our freedom I want so you're old enough to uh, know that stuff, Michael. Me and Barry aren't old enough to know stuff and like then that. at the end <laughs> in the end <laughs> you're right He's intoning something um, that sounds like a James Earl Jones, all of God's children's got to have their freedom, which sounds like... Yeah, they're doing like a, an imita- Amos and Andy imitation or something. Exactly, yes. which yes. is... Um, it's a yeah. It's, it's a and the song is called the Red it's Telephone. It's jarring. It's it's kind of jarring <coughs> on the record. You know, which, just, yeah, he's like bitterly ironic. Oh, very yes, much so. And, That's good. And the red telephone was refers to apparently the um, the hotline between which we still would have, but of course it's an iPhone between the Kremlin and the um, the White House. Were there ever to be right. a the the red phone. The, the nuclear conflict uh, aversion uh-huh. device is a red telephone. Um, Yes. Which comes up in Dr. Strangelove. Are we doing this? Are we doing it? Are are we sure we're doing this? Are we doing it? Um, All right. So now we flip the record over and now we hear the side. Yeah. uh, Right. The first side. (laughs) I want to refresh my drink. Can we pause momentarily for me to refresh my beverage? Sure. We could pause. Let's take a little pause while Barry refreshes his drink. Thanks. One, two, three, one. Is this tomorrow at is this tomorrow.com is a comic produced by Woody Compton and Kelly Shane. 
Woody and Kelly met while serving long prison sentences in Sri Lanka, after being convicted of selling fake toilet paper to the Sri Lankan military. As cellmates, they discovered that they shared a unique, dark vision of the world, incorporating elements of conspiracy, UFO sightings, bad movies, and all sort of other now widely recognized as hipster baloney. Upon their release they traveled to Tallahassee, Florida, for reasons lost to history, they began producing, is, this, tomorrow, for a local newspaper, the Pea Brain Clambake Quarterly, their creative vision blossomed, and now today they have hundreds, if not thousands, of strips available, with a new one coming every week, visit the fully rehabilitated is this tomorrow, visions at, is, this, tomorrow, dot, com is a comic produced by Woody Compton and Kelly Shane. Woody and Kelly met while driving school buses in Antarctica, after being kidnapped by mercenary beaver trappers who still thought it was the 19th century. As public transportation employees, they discovered that they shared a quixotic, cockeyed vision of the world, incorporating elements of competitive square dancing, Christian puppet theater, budget hairpieces, and all sort of other deeply patriotic American pastimes. Upon their escape they jet-skied to Tallahassee, Florida, with a smile in their hearts and leather chaps on their hindquarters. They began producing, is, this, tomorrow, for a local newspaper, the North Florida Water Management District Gazette. Their creative vision blossomed, and now today they have hundreds, if not thousands, millions, an astronomical number, of strips available, with a new one coming every week. Explore Woody and Kelly's visions at is this tomorrow.com they pay us to say this I'm fine with my drink here Michael yeah it's not running right now you're not or are you recording I don't know Better not talk shit about Derry while he's away. Oh, he does. Yeah, you know he does. He records everything, so yeah, you have to be very careful. He'll use here, stuff. That. <laughs> Some people that never wear pants, they just wear shorts their whole life. But Barry's one of them. I think I've seen Barry in a pair of pants once in his entire life. What me? I'm gonna. I'm, yes, I'm uh, into my caftans. I wear, I, I wear shorts a lot. That is true. Yeah. 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 I think I've, I really think I've only seen you in pants once. If it was so cold easy. weather or maybe it was a special occasion. It was yeah. a little chilly. Maybe it was a That's little chilly. Special it. Yeah. So, someone dies, you're, you're not going to go to the funeral in, in shorts. You're not that bad. That depends. <laughs> that really depends on who it <laughs> yeah. is. Who it is. All right. We are back. This is That Record Got Me High. We were talking to Michael Chudahy about Love Forever Changes. We're up to now, if this is not a psychedelic a proper psychedelic <laughs> album this is definitely a psychedelic song title mm-hmm. would you agree yeah <laughs> and i got that okay. <laughs> let's listen to maybe the people would be the times or between clark and hilldale what is happening and how have you been I'll see you again And oh The music is so loud And then I fade into the Crowd 
Crowds of people standing everywhere Across the street I'm at the slop affair And here they always play my songs And me, I wonder if it's I'm here just the same Telling everyone about their games And if you think it obsolete Then you go back across the street Yeah So this is definitely the most L.A. specific song on this record. And okay. let me t- tell you about that. I, so I like first heard this record. I was like, I saw the song title. I'm like, wow, what is that? That's a mouthful. And yeah. uh, <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean? I have no idea. And the Internet didn't exist. I like, would like ask a couple of people like, oh, no, no idea. Um, and, uh, and I sort of stopped wondering about it. And I moved to L.A. And I, when I moved out here, it was like the peak of the dot-com bubble. And I was, they moved out here by a, a internet startup. Part of luxurymusic.com, still there. Still great, even though I don't have anything to do with it. Oh, and the guy I was mentioning who produced the remastered reissue of Forever Changes has a show there. So he'd know if you want to. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But, okay. So I, um, Andrew Sandoval, there I'm going to drop in your name, Andrew. Um, I, uh, they put me up in a hotel while I was looking for a place to live. And I was there for like three weeks. And the hotel was on the Sunset Strip, which I hated. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, is this what it's like to live in LA? Yeah. And like, maybe that's the made, worst It's the worst of part state. of LA. Yeah. It is. It is. I didn't. I, I didn't realize that it was, it's a unique place. But while I was walking around there, going to the Seven Eleven or something, I found myself standing on a corner ah. between Clark and Hilldale. Ah. Between Clark and, and Hilldale, and, I, you know. And you know what? You know what is on Sunset Boulevard, the Sunset Strip between Clark and Hilldale is the Whiskey a Go Go. Right. The Whiskey a Go Go. Yes. Okay. So you lit. So yeah. Now you picked that up right away. You saw. You realized you were between Clark and Hilldale, and it finally all clicked. Yeah, I, it was a real Eureka moment. And I was, That's amazing. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, like I was standing under the big W or something. Right. Yeah. So basically, um, this song he's, is just him complaining about, about the whiskey at Go-Go. I think so. Yeah, standing. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Very about the L.A. music about scene. Being, yeah, being like in but not of the scene. And I, I was wondering, like, I'll, I'll, he's talks about going across the street. And I have yet to find, figure out. Like what, I have other friends who would actually definitely know what was across the exactly <laughs> right. So I really time, should have yeah. asked them about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he saw I'll go I'll go across the street and he mentions like I think he says the laugh affair, which yes. I, maybe that's a I, that's is that a maybe comedy, a comedy club? club? Maybe, yeah. maybe it's, I'm uh, mishearing it. 
or something. Like, no, I, I think we, so. You know, it was obviously everybody knows the Sunset Strip was the, the hip night, and you know, was for still is probably like a hip night, the night life area, right? In LA, right. and even more so, it's like the sun, Sunset Strip riots were what you know for what it's worth by Buffalo Springfield or about. Anyway, that's that's what's between Clark and Hilldale. Oh, nice. Okay, so yeah, so it does make, it, it is a mouthful, but it all, it, it kind of actually, it's just kind of, uh, it, it's, it's actually very explicit. It, 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 it is. <laughs> so it's not psychedelic. <laughs> oh, well, but no, he talks about painting everybody gray. Yeah, so right. Right. Psychedelic. Yeah. And it's got more of that, Flamenco-ish uh, mm-hmm. guitar, that acoustic guitar flamenco right. that they like to throw in there. So this was the first song I heard on the record, and like the the horns and strings and everything. I, yeah, I was like, and you were like, "What that?" It makes yeah. it makes it, it's a it's a great opener for a side two of an album, but not of a side one. I can see where it would be like, eh, what's, <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. But I it, wonder if I'd opened with Alone Again or if uh, I stuck with it. <laughs> I think you would. Right. Have. Well, yeah, you, you got it eventually. You got it eventually. Well, because so I, 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 oh, yeah. I remember putting it on probably in the car when we were driving home, and we would have had our one of our you know our children was a toddler in the back seat, and putting it on and being like, wow, uh, this is not any, not like anything else I've really heard before. And that's also, I think, a reason that these songs, I mean, Alone Again or gets covered, but, you know, you just don't hear bands at clubs or, or, or pick out these songs to cover. Um, I, I think they're, they're tricky. Um, or you, yeah, but but you don't hear it on classic rock radio either. Oh, never. Oh, no, uh, I, I don't think. Yeah. Other, yeah. Well, because they're unfamiliar to most people. These aren't going to be like, you know. Right. Well, after, never this, after, this here, ep- so. after this episode, Michael, that's going to all Oh, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Sales <laughs> are going to go through the all roof. All right, so this next, this next one has a great opening line uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's actually it's a great. Uh, let's just do a little bit of live and let live. Oh, the snot has caked against my pants. It has turned into crystal There's a bluebird sitting on a branch I guess I'll take my pistol I've got it in my hand Because he's on my land And so the story ended You, you know it all so well Oh shit, you need I'll tell you Yes, I'll see you sitting on the couch I recognize your artillery I have seen you many times before Once when I was in India And I was on my land Why can't you understand? And so the story ended You, you know it oh so well What should you need, I'll tell you More references to uh, American history that was not taught to us in the way in which it should have been. Um... And this, you know, also, there's like a sense of humor to as, as bitter and yes. um, cutting as it is. But, but even you can tell this is like, the, this is like, at least lyrically, 
you can it reminds me that love are also considered a sort of proto-punk yeah oh group. yeah 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 right 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 right. When, right when you sing the first lines if anybody didn't hear oh the snot has caked against my pants it has turned into crystal and there's a bluebird sitting on a branch i guess i'll take my pistol i've got it in my hand because he's on my land so um <laughs> he's got snot and then it turned into crystallized into boogers on his pants and he's gonna shoot kill a bird with it because it's on his <laughs> land um so he's uh I, 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 he's not fucking that's around. not flower power he's not fucking yeah. around right no. yeah that's not flower power that's it's right not. it's even the first velvet underground it, record very very much so yeah yeah yep uh, now I want to ask you two guys about something about the music. The electric guitar. There's not much electric guitar in here, but the lead, like on this one, towards later when it comes in, some of the leads remind me of Neil Young. And yeah. then I'm thinking, well, now I, I there is a connection. I know Neil Young was somewhat involved. Yeah, he was asked to produce this at one point, and he, he declined. Yeah. But Barry, is it probably that they're both dipping from the same trout? Which is what? Say it. Uh, the Yardbirds. The Yardbirds, yeah. right? Yeah, right? Well, I mean, that, that's probably Some of it. the leads on this record are so much like another guitar player who would arrive on the scene like two years later, just barely, that I know that, and this is, I'm going to go there, I know that Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath heard and played along with this record because some of the, phra- uh, some of the phrasing oh, okay. on the leads is dead on like oh that's exactly a, what Tony Iommi would play and a way he would play it so and you know right. those guys were that like you said there. it was a the record was a big hit there and you can imagine Ozzy and crew sitting around listening to this and going oh you know this is good yeah we just gotta <laughs> yes, make it louder we just gotta turn it up and make it louder right yeah make it louder <laughs> where's my fuzz box <laughs> All right, Let's so now move we get these things out. Come on. Another, well, you know, we have to do it. Someone, someone has to keep moving on, Michael. Um, the, another one that's got a, a sort of a longish title and sort of out there. There is humor. There's humor on, on this record, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's in there, though. Uh, for anyone who, it's, to say the title, and then we should say who the good humor man is, because not everyone may know who the good humor man oh, is. Oh, that's true. The, I don't think I do. The, Really? What? The oh. good humor, they didn't have the good humor band. Well, I mean, you grew up in uh, New England. Oh, oh, oh! Just in, I thought you meant like this. Okay, go ahead. Say say the title, and then we'll talk about that. The good humor man. He sees everything like this. Yeah, the good humor man used to come around with his truck and play Ice his music. Cream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought you meant like the good humor man meant somebody in particular. Oh like, no, oh, no, no, it's no, just no, no, everybody no. knew the, the good, good humor the man. Ice cream guy with the ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> the, yeah, the ice cream guy. That's it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I know that good. Yeah. Yeah. You better. <laughs> well, he sees everything like this. He does. Yeah, that's a little cryptic. Hummingbird tongue. Why do the hum little girls wearing pigtails in the morning? Morning, 
merry-go-rounds are going round in and all over the town in the morning, in the morning, la da 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 da. So he's clearly mocking the absolutely one hundred percent. Yeah. I think that this is like, like the, that's why the title is like a frame <laughs> that, around the lyrics. It, it is. Put the yes, thing into yes, context. Because yes. you is. can imagine him seeing like a good humor commercial on TV, like the nice man in the ice cream truck handing the kid the ice cream out the window of the truck. And so he sees that. And yeah, the lyrics are so saccharine that. Yeah. yeah and the way he goes, blah, 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 blah. I can see it stands, if you want to take it at face value, it also stands like that. It's a really sweet it does. Um, but after sort of enough, image. But you can't get through the first part of this record and get to this and, and then, then say, back yeah, up and say, oh no, this. he's disavowing <laughs> right. all of that cynicism. Right. And yeah, no. Unless he got a particularly good dose. Of, yeah. You know. I, you know, I don't... Did you guys read... The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Oh God! Uh, the only Cormac it's McCarthy just, experience I have is seeing um, uh, uh, No Country for no, Old Men. No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Oh my okay. God! It, it, the, the Road is is this really he- harsh, post-apocalyptic sort of not really sci-fi, but it's after this unnamed apocalypse and the okay. world's in ruins and it's like The Walking Dead but without zombies. And it's very, very realistic. And, you know, it's like page after page of like you want to kill yourself yeah. for reading this thing. Yeah. The people starvation and like roaming cannibals and just awful, <laughs> awful, 20, 20, awful. You're talking 2020, 2022, 2023 sort of stuff. That's all what you're very about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, um, and then at the end, there's this two-page chapter, and and it's about like there's a pool of cool water, and there's a like a you know some fish for them, like the breezes and the trees, and you're like, oh, it's at first you're like, oh, there's a happy ending thing, and then you realize like, nope, no, it's not that. It's like ah. this was once a thing, and now it's gone forever because the story just sort of it doesn't. And it just stops. And spoiler then there's this alert, little spoiler alert, Michael. And, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's right. Yeah, well, I don't whatever. think. I think if you, if you, having seen No Country for Old Men, I, and I think I started to try and read Cormac McCarthy, I was like, I don't. It is so legitimately um, harsh and intense that I thought. You know no, what? that's not for you, Barry. You you shouldn't be reading anything like that. <laughs> Probably not right now, anyway. But uh, your pressure, no. Your well, it's uh, like the, remember the the movie, um, the Mist. Did you guys see the Mist? That that the yes. And you know, okay, you know, that is a great the ending. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And they actually changed the we ending. Well, I think by this point, there's no spoilers. To make it it's more been, upbeat, was that it, right? It was <laughs> at the end. Yeah, it was at the end. They he actually. The original ending was they get rescued, and then somebody said, "Yeah, you know what? This just just not it doesn't read right." And yeah, don't rescue them. <laughs> if you haven't seen the mist, the funny. ending is one of the most brutal endings to a movie there ever was. And um, oh, and that's not the original ending though. Huh? No, not what they had written or planned okay. on doing. Uh, anyway. 
And well, maybe this was the maybe this was how he really felt. No, no the rest of the record is uh, put on. And this is yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's listen to uh, Bummer. Now he's now he's down on summer altogether. Let's listen to yeah. Bummer and Jesus, Summer. Nothing this guy likes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Arthur. What do you want? Come on. <laughs> Everything that I possibly could for you We used to ride around all over town But they're putting you down for being around with me But you can go ahead if you want to Cause I ain't got no papers on you In the middle of the summer I had a job in a plumber Just a fast motorball It was you who wanted to fall off When we're walking along, honey, hand in hand I'm thinking of your mama when you're thinking of another man But you can go ahead if you want to Cause I ain't got no papers on you No, I don't, I ain't got no papers on myself All right, so I think the bottom line is this guy, he was just too cynical to be a hippie, to be like a real hippie. Oh, yeah, no. Well, if you also, if you say, um, we used to ride around all over town, but they're putting you down for being around with me, you can also do yeah, the math yeah, on yeah. Yeah. why they're get, putting yep. her down for being around with him. Now, is he playing an homage to, uh, a homage to, or is he mocking a little... Uh, Dylan, Bob Dylan, Dylan, the way he's yeah. saying it, right? This is one of the. There's, the, I mean, you know, nobody that has a sixties got a little Dylan damage, and oh, there, yeah. there isn't a lot of like identifiable, <laughs> like influenced by other musicians on this record at all, really. But this is one of the few right. things where I immediately thought, like, oh, it's Dylan. Little Dylan, but it's yeah. also a little throwbacky to the first two Love records. This yes. is more like something that would have been on one of the first two records. Um, yeah. Which I guess are well, now that I think about it, there's more Dylan damage on those records. Um, yeah, especially their first one was very much in the they you know they came out of the same scene as the leaves and the birds, right? Exactly. And the Doors, who they got signed through the label, they're like, okay, Electra, you can sign us, but you have to sign our buddies here in this old this band called the Doors, right? And, right. And then the Doors like oh, trounced yeah. them commercially in Electra, yeah. but that's another reason. This record was not huge. Was Electra was like, well, we know who's making the right. money here, and these guys yeah, will go right. Right. The, the, Well, the doors were tour. Yeah, right. The doors charismatic frontman. Right? Oh, yeah. You know what? It's funny. Sometimes it just comes down to to shit like that. You know. Um, it's showbiz. Well, I it's think showbiz. that um, <laughs> was wasn't Steve Michener talking about the the three bands that were in contention for the the money at. Um, what label were they on? Epic, and it was them and somebody else, and then this third band. Oh yeah, and O positive and something. Oh and, Jesus, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and the band that they actually put their money behind, who were became successful. I can't remember who it was. Spin, right. Not Spin Doctors, but somebody in that vein, early nineties. Right. 
<laughs> it would be awesome if it was spin doctors. That would be terrible to be put out of business. Right. They like doctors. throw everything <laughs> against the wall and, and then they line up behind the one that sticks to, to torture two metaphors. Yeah. Well, no, you know, I think uh, that they, I think that that's, <laughs> you know, that's certainly what happened here. And that's what happens usually is, well, Oh, we got the, the, the incredible band with, you know, these songs and the integrity. Well, this band has a really hot singer. Guess who they're going with? <laughs> well, yeah, Steve's a, a bitter guy. Let's just admit it. He, he is he is bitter. He's kind of bitter. So that's that well, how do you think? It. How do you, you think know, he got to be friends with us, Rob? That's true. <laughs> do you think uh, it was because we're you know, we're like the good humor man? No. <laughs> I, sometimes I'm like the good humor man. No, you're one not. thing I was going to mention about Arthur Lee we didn't mention was he was convinced that this would be his last record Ooh. before he died. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I was going to bring that up because this whole record, one of the things that sort of resonated with me early on, it sounds like somebody like saying goodbye. Mm. Yeah, he's just like I'm winding it up. It was a nice run. There's yeah. like this weird elegiac. Like yeah. the sort of impending doom to the whole thing, and also it was a pretty apocalyptic feeling time. Oh, I'm too. sure. So, yeah, right, right, the, right. The, the war, the Vietnam um, War, was really getting into high high gear at that point. When you're gonna, all right. So if you're making uh, your last record, the apocalyptic uh, record, what do you do? You end it with a prog, with like a prog song, a seven minute prog song. So let's listen to the final track. You set the scene. You go through changes, it may seem strange. Is this what you're put here for? You think you're happy and you are happy. That's what you're happy for. There's a man who can't decide if he should fight for what his father thinks is right. There are people wearing frowns who screw you up, but they would rather screw you down. At my request, I ask for nothing. You get nothing in return. If you're nice, you bring me water. If you're not, then I will to unpack in that one um yeah lyrically. yeah <laughs> now i will say if you want to this is a song where love's actual bass player is playing because there are some straight out clams 
in there in the in the base bar. I just have it's it's just so plainly obvious that Carol Kane played most of the bass on this record, and then you get to this track and you're like Oh wow! Um, what's <laughs> well, that? Now, they, they were not surviving virtuosos, but no, right, no, the, the proto punk. No, if you know, I'm sure that they could have, <laughs> they, like, with enough time, they could have made this record and they could have played. But the, the Wrecking Crew, that you come in and you say, you know, here's the changes, and you guys ready? One, right. two, three, four, <laughs> and then you get yep, something yep. that that's oh, it. Oh, we're done. That's the that's, take. It's yep. a wrap. Yeah, got it. You guys, what do you guys want for lunch? Um, and lyrically, this one he's. Uh, I, I'm not sure well, it's, what it's he's on about. Expansive here, yeah. It's, um, it's like this yeah. basically is like all the scenes of the entire record. Yes, didn't play all the way to the end, but it goes into this completely different section at the end, and it sounds like he's he does this thing like this is the time in the life I'm living. I'll face each day with a smile. The time that I've been given such a little while, it's like he's summing it yeah. up and saying, like giving this, this little final speech. Yep. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. I wonder. It's like I wonder if <laughs> if he wrote this thing thinking this is really going to say everything I'm trying to say with it, or whether they were like, yeah, we originally had that on like second song on side one, but it. This wasn't working. Kind of sucked right, the energy right, out of the room. Right. <laughs> well, it is. It, it does go on a bit, but it's got. But I love the end. It's got the strings and the horns and the outro is really great. It is. It's. It's. A- oh yeah. It's. It's sort of majestic at the end because it's like, yes. well, what are you getting? Can't really follow any, yeah, no. anything. No. Right. 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 And the war comes up again, or worries about the war. Um, there's a private in my boat, and he wears pins instead of medals on his coat. Um, there's a man who can't decide if he should fight for what his father thinks is right. There are people wearing frowns who will screw you up, but they would rather screw you down. Um, you know, he's he's plugged into the uh, dark side of 1967, um, and especially as someone who's somewhat of an outsider as he sees himself, uh, and obviously was in the LA rock scene. Um, but man, yeah, for sure. What a, what a, what a record. What are, just, yeah, it is. It's such a great record. And I'm glad I, like I said, over the years, obviously I've heard it referenced and stuff, but I'm really glad you brought this to us to talk about, uh, Michael, cause I would probably, who knows? I, I maybe never would have listened to it. And that would have been a shame. One thing real quick, before we stop though, did any of you guys read about the title, how they came up with the title of the yes. record? Though? Cause it's actually uh, yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. I only Good. heard that like last year or last couple of years. That's like one of the last pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. You, you tell the, you tell the story. It sounds, because it sounds it sounds very mystical and very like you think. Oh, it sounds mystical. And he said he just heard about oh. yeah. He yeah. heard about a, a friend of a friend who had broken up with his girlfriend, and she said, "You said you would love me forever," and he said, "Well, forever changes." Forever changes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah, supposedly it, you're supposed to read it. It's one of those As titles love? where the band name is part of the title, right. like it's the part of it. Love girl forever crazy. changes. It's love forever changes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, baby. Sorry, baby. Love Sorry. forever changes. Forever, forever, forever changes. changes, man. Sorry. It's great. <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, it, it's it, kind of so <laughs> appropriate for this record too that it's actually its genesis is like a sort of brutal diss. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, yes, forever changes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. For and the there's record. no it other. Is. And it's probably perfect. <laughs> 
There's no other record that sounds like that this. You brought it for us. Yeah, Th- yeah this no, record is so. just one of those is a one-off. Like if you listen to the first two Love records, uh, uh, Love and Da Capo, Da Capo, Da Capo. They're not this. Yeah, they're not. They're this. not this. Yeah. And no. if you listen to the stuff Arthur Lee put out after this, they're not this. And nobody else ever made another record that had this same set of. Um, Right. Uh, of of textures and it's just a weird it was almost like weird coincidences came together to make oh well here's this you know it is I and you know Arthur Lee didn't die after he made it but the band did break up oh yeah and it there was certainly and he sort of you know descended into a dark place for, oh, yeah. for a long time so he wasn't entirely wrong about it what was no, he, he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't. You know, I think Sadly he was. He I think he was a junkie for a long time, and he was just a messed up guy. Um, and then he did have this sort of resurgence. Um, he resurgent. There's a great video of them on Jules Holland in 2003 doing this a couple of songs, and it's really good. I, it, it's, I it's have great. friends who played with him in the version. You know, they were being billed as Love in the night. Right, yeah. right, right, right. They had, they had, they had a lot of yeah. Stories. Trepidation. <laughs> oh, I'm sure oh they yeah, did. I'm sure they did. I, you uh, have but it to was wonder. good. It was good stuff. I always wonder about um, you know touring with. Well, thank you touring with Arthur Lee, but think about you know touring with Rocky Erickson or touring with someone who needs specialized attention. And yeah, you're just attention. You're even just, more so than a normal lead singer, right? And you're just some guy. <laughs> you're just right. Like I'm just a drummer. I'm right. a guitar you're just player. A paycheck, yeah. <laughs> and you know, you maybe you love the guy, but you know, you're out. You're out in. You're I'm supposed to play in Wichita, and um, he won't. You know, he won't come out of the hotel room. Um, because, yeah, uh, it was, Rocky was is seems like he was a really sweet guy, but just. Yeah, can't you know like Brian Wilson like just can't deal no. with things very no. well. Can't deal right. right. Mess, Arthur yeah. was a very volatile, also supposedly really nice guy, but yeah, really volatile yeah. and not dependable. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I could see. I could see all of that. And um, I- so, Michael, what do you uh, what do you got going on these days? Anything someone should check out? Uh, Michael Cuddy, uh, what's, what's going on? Hey, I, I've had the same kind of year everybody had. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually been working on the first record of my own that I've done in a long, long time. So, oh, really? But I don't know when that's going to be ready. Okay. Well, well, we'll keep you. Yeah, maybe we'll, well have you. Maybe I don't have to get ready to, come out to bring in the wrecking crew. Right. Unless I can right. sit together. So. The, right. the aforementioned <laughs> Steve Mitchner wants me to twist your arm about getting the rights back to your. Christmas albums and putting them on Bandcamp so we can all buy them and have them. Oh, yeah. And and beautifully. How how would you ever find them? We were the band that can't be Googled. I know know the Googleable band. You know what the internet was because 1986. The you war. Who who knew the the war on Christmas would affect you guys too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So next week. What do we got next week? We got the the church. Speaking of, uh, we're right. in the same uh, little uh, milieu. We got the church. The record heyday with Matthew Barry. Who is uh, Matthew Kenneth? I, mean, I, I know a, one of our. Him, he's. Uh, I think he's a Steve Mitchner universe. I think he came in. I think Steve roped him in, and he's become oh, okay. a, one of a, a fan of the show. I guess, uh, 
We'll find out next week. We'll find out exactly. I have, and I have, a, I have a story about the church. It's a and boy, it's a gooder. Um, so. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be next week. Don't forget, you guys. Uh, most importantly, you know, check us out on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, share us, love us, but go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh and uh, become a patron of the show. We have a, uh, a new, we just had a new patron today. Um, thank you very much. Uh, it's a pledge week, Barry. Do you realize that? That it's pledge week at Patreon? Is it really? Well, I don't know. What I does that mean? That. I just said that. Because we just, every, week every week is pledge week. Every week is pledge week. It's pledge week, everyone. Is, is so, Jerry, you know. is, Jerry Lewis, <laughs> is Jerry Lewis doing some sort yeah. of show? It's Pledgeweek, so I don't know. I thought maybe that would not be true. But, uh, you know, think about it. Go to Patreon. Yeah, because Pledgeweek always gets people to, like, in a giving booth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got NPR. We should never put off my Pledgeweek. That week, that week, that week on NPR where you're like, fuck, are you saying they look forward to it. Like, oh, my God, it's Pledgeweek, it's Pledgeweek. Right. They wouldn't. Are you saying they wouldn't want the, that record got me high tote bag? They were they're not interested in that? Is that what you're saying? Nina Totenberg and All her right. tote bag. <laughs> Michael, as you know, you're a great guy. Thank you so much. We will, uh, we will see you hey, all next up, Barry. week. Rob is saying something nice about me. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Michael. You're a great guest. We love having you on. Michael, yes. Uh, yes, yeah, there you go. Thanks. Thanks. Yes, we'll see, you guys. we'll see you guys next week. We are That Record Got Me Out. We are out. to be your eyes, man. But then and I would want to be your cold man, too. Now, nah, you wouldn't be telling your cold man, you know what do your eyes, man, do. I'm going to give you my phone number so you can call Sonny Boy up every day. I'm gonna give you my phone number so you can call Sonny Boy up every day. Now, if you need an ice of cold, you must let Sonny Boy know right away. Oh, I 